James chapter 3 is our continuing journey. We'll make it through uh, 12 verses today. <clears throat> Just go ahead and tell you ahead of time before the service began, I was talking to Cole Metters back there, and I said, bro, I said, man, look, <laughs> actually, he said, Troy, there's a lot of information on these slides. And I said, yeah, there is. This should have been three sermons. And he said, well, why wasn't it? And I said, well, it's just not. And uh, so bottom line is this. There is going to be a lot of information today. Telling you ahead of time, a lot of stuff. Get what you can. Throw away what you can't. Bite what's meat. Chew away the spit out the bones. Um, it'll be on podcast. You can go listen to it later for anything that doesn't make sense. And, uh, but anyways, we're going to dive through a lot of stuff. But before we get to that, all right, let's play a game. You ready to play a game? We're going to play a game. Are you ready to play a game, guys? Come on. Here we go. We're going to play a game. This is an SHC original. Um, this game is going to be called Name That Tongue. All right? Name That Tongue. There we go. So we've got some tongues on the screen. Examine it. We're so original, we're going to have music. We've got our own original music. Can we get the music going? There we go. It's original music. We created it. Be thinking through it. Got 30 seconds to examine the tongues. See if you can get all four of them. Get it? Don't tell your neighbor. There's a prize at the end. I don't know what that is, but we'll give you a stand or something. Tongues. Yeah. Matt, 30 seconds is a long time, by the way. <laughs> okay. Um, got the tongues? Yeah. Shoot through them. Yeah. Bong, bong. There we go. Uh, so now, with that said, who thinks, before we flip it open, who thinks you have all four of them? Raise your hand. You're bold, you're confident, you got all four? All right. Semi-confident people, raise your hand. All right. All right. Here we go. All right. Here, here, here's the moment of truth. The moment you've all been waiting for. Did anybody get all four? Boom! Got all four? Awesome. Uh, how many of y'all Michael Phelps tripped you up? He, he was the stumper. Yeah, he's, he was a hard one. He's a hard one. You'll be surprised at how many times that dude sticks his tongue out, by the way. Go check it out on Google. Uh, so we got Albert Einstein. This is a funny historical picture. We don't have time to get into it. Go research it. It's pretty funny of why that happened. Uh, the greatest tongue of all times, bar none, Michael Jordan. Uh, now listen, I know you LeBron folks out there, it's, you, you sit on a throne of lies if you believe LeBron is... Okay, it just is what it is, the greatest of all time. Uh, you got Michael Phelps and then, and then Gene Simmons. <laughs> How many of y'all Gene Simmons tripped up? All right, young folk, all of you young folk. And frankly, you don't need to know what his tongue is about, okay? So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's right, get him off the screen. Uh, there we go. So, fun game, thinking about tongues. And the reason I do that is because that's what we're at today. The book of James hits us in chapter 3, and that's what he talks about, the tongue. Now, it's not a thing that we would typically think about. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, it's not something that, you know, I just wake up in the morning, and that's what I love about exegetical teaching, verse by verse, straight through the Bible. You, you just hit things that you normally wouldn't address. And so that's what we're going to talk about, the tongue. It's a, it's a thing that we really don't think a lot about, but it has great value, enormous impact. And so James brings it to the forefront to say, hey, when you're thinking about all of the things, you need to think about your, your tongue too. And so we're going to look at that today. It's easy to think about how we steward money, right? Why? Because we have bills come in the mail. And so there's a constant reminder about how we utilize our money and resources because there's that constant reminder. 
It's easy to think about how we steward our time, isn't it? Why? Because on your wrist right now are watches, or on your phone is a watch, or up there glaring at me, screaming at me every Sunday is this glowing clock, right? There's constant reminders of time, and so we steward it well. We think about stewarding it, but how many reminders are there about the tongue? Not many. The tongue is somewhat limitless, isn't it? You can rattle off all kind of stuff. Um, some of you sitting next to somebody, you want to nudge them right now and be like, hey, you need to listen to this today. But, right? right? Uh, it's, it's, it's somewhat limitless. We can speak, and there's not a lot of constant reminder about our, our tongue. Some of us, like Julie Beth, not to name any names, um, even talked in their sleep. I mean, Julie Beth will be doing therapy on people all night long. So I'll go, Mr. Jones, I need you to get up and work your knee. If you don't work your knee, it's going to lock up on you. And I'm like, hey, baby, Mr. Jones ain't in our bed. I, or at least I hope he's not. <laughs> right? so, so, but the tongue is something we don't think about a lot. And so James says, hey, 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 hit the pause button as you think about this faith that internally transforms you. As it externally begins to morph you, think about the tongue. And so he highlights it today. Well, with that said, let's stand and honor the reading of God's Word. James chapter 3, I'll read it aloud for us, and then we'll dive into it. Again, a lot's got to be said in very little time, so let's, let's do this. James chapter 3, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So he starts it off with the tongue of the teacher, and then he goes to everybody else. And we're going to hit both of those. Verse 2, for we all, so he brings us all in, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. So like if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear that. That's a strong phrase. And praise the Lord that the gospel can indeed tame our tongue. Humanly speaking, we'll never tame it. But praise the Lord for the gospel that can Let's keep going. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce or yield fresh water. The Word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So God, honor your Word and our time today. Move me aside, God, my tongue. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, 
The right reverend Dr. James gets to it right off the bat. And so, as I said before, he's going to address teachers and the use of their tongue. And so then he's going to address everybody in the use of their tongue. So let's just go ahead and hit them. Sometimes they'll overlap. Sometimes you're going to want to check out. Don't. Um, but just kind of hang in there, filter through all of it. And so first right off the bat, he says, listen, teachers, there should be a hesitancy in using your tongue because as you teach or desire to teach, you incur a stricter judgment. And so right off the bat, he says that the tongue of a teacher should be guarded. And now this may sound a little strange to us, especially if you grew up in church hearing all of your life you should have a defense in season and out of season, you believe. You should be ready in season and out of season to give a testimony of your faith. You should aspire to lead. I mean, my goodness, the book of 1 Timothy and Titus is all about older women teaching younger women and older men teaching younger men and generation to generation and teaching and teaching and teaching and teach. We hear that all our lives, right? Can I get a whoop whoop for Awanas? Right? Grew up in Awanas? That's what it's all about. Memorize, learn, study, hear, get it in your head so that you can what? Say it. So that you can speak it. So that you can teach it out loud. So that you can. And now all of a sudden James says, well, be, be careful in your desire to teach. So this may catch us as a little odd, but it is this stricter judgment. And so why this stern warning? Why this warning to teachers or those who want to proclaim God's word or teach God's word? And so lest we believe that it's just isolated to this right here, hey, my community group leaders, um, hey, the children's workers, hey, youth leaders, hey, people who proclaim, who teach, you in this category, okay? <laughs> and so as we think through this, why this stern warning? Well, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. Number one, I believe it's because of the great significance and seriousness of the information that the teacher is to proclaim. There's a great significance and a great significance. Uh, what we're appointed to as heralds, as teachers, is to proclaim something of eternal matters. It's eternal information. It's not just flippant information. Now, I'm not belittling math. Okay, I'm, I'm not doing that. So, for you math lovers, I just stunk at it, all right? Um, here's the deal with math. If you get 2 plus 2 wrong, you know, you may end up with 5 apples in your basket. You know, whatever. And math can be, I, look, don't, don't, I'm not trying to be little, even that sense. You can miscalculate, okay, and get it wrong and crash a plane right into the ground. That's, that can be of great importance, whatever. But it can only kill you, it can't damn you. And what James is getting at is, hey, this information that we carry is deeper than 2 plus 2, and it's deeper than maybe the ground, maybe your airplane can crash, but these words that we're responsible of carrying literally carry life and or damnation. These are eternally weighty matters, so there's a significance to it. It's not just earthly. And it's very possible to teach heresy. It's very possible to take this word and to proclaim something that leads someone astray, that confuses someone. Now praise the Lord that God in his sovereignty is true and the word that he proclaims that he'll, he'll accomplish that for which he sent it. He says that in Isaiah. I, I believe that. But nonetheless, he says, teachers, be, be careful. Be careful for this judgment coming. There's this significance and this seriousness. And then he goes on number two to say this. I think not only is it serious and significant, but there's a great accountability in both not only the content, but the conduct for the teacher. There's this 
huge thing, and our tongues love when we teach to jump on soapboxes. And, and to hear something or to teach something, and then it funnels down into our pet soapbox. And typically what happens with a teacher is they'll take something and it ends up being political or it ends up being self-help. And, and as a teacher, people will begin to follow and they'll, I like the way he says this and whatever. And no longer will the word be supreme. It'll be what I want people to hear or what they applaud me for. I'll say what keeps them coming back. And so the content begins to morph, and James says, oh, be careful about that. And not only the content, but the conduct. And so I think he warns teachers off the bat that, hey, look, as a teacher, sometimes your imagination will trump reality. And what I mean by that is when we delve into something and when we begin to study something, we begin to believe just because we can disseminate information that we model that same information which is not always true. Just because I can academically throw it out there doesn't mean that my lifestyle matches what I'm vomiting with my lips. And we kind of delve in. I was talking just a minute ago to Danny about microwaves. And yesterday, I started reading some information. Our microwave went on the blink. And so I started reading some information, and the information said, hey, you should call a serviceman. Um, it, it holds inside of a microwave a, a um, magnetron, which can kill you. And so I'm reading this, and I'm going, but I'm reading this information. Therefore, I am a serviceman. I got this. I got, I, come on, I Googled it. I've got all the information that I need. And so in reading that information, I begin to believe just because I can read it, just because I can spit out the bullet points, that I am modeling it. And James says, be careful, teacher. Be hesitant because you incur a stricter judgment. There's a strictness to the words that come out of your mouth. Does it match? And so then there's a third reason I think he says this. Because there's a spirit-led privilege and responsibility to teach and to communicate God's word. Now, why would a spirit-led um, responsibility and privilege be a hesitancy? Why would that be a hesitancy? Well, here's why. Because it is entirely possible to be academic and to have success in academia. It's entirely possible to teach the Word, and at the end of the day, people go, boy, he sure seems to know a lot. And it's entirely possible to have oratory success. Not only academic success, boy, he can knock out the context and blah, 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 but he can speak in such a way that people really listen. And it can be totally devoid of spiritual impact. And that's dangerous. You can fall into that trap of, well, Mark Driscoll sounds this way and people are following him. Or Adrian Rogers sounds this way and people are following him. Or Matt Chandler sounds this way and people are following him. So if I just mimic and say what they say, whoever your pet person is, if I just mimic that, then people will follow and people will go, they sure know a lot and they sure sound cool. And it'd be totally devoid of spiritual leaning. Just be careful. Be careful with that. And so, to be completely honest with you, this passage, more than any other, scares me to death. Like, as, like me. This scares me to death. So as I'm reading through this, I'll be dead honest with you. I'm reading through James, and we're planning on preaching through James, and we, and we get to chapter 3, and I'm like, hey, 
we could just skip that one. <laughs> Let's just hop over that one. Let's don't talk about that. Let's go to something else. Because I, f- I feel this. I feel the weight of this. Um, I think I've grown up a little bit in my 23 years going on 24 of ministry. I used to want to quit every Sunday. Sunday afternoons, you can ask Julie Beth. Um, Sunday afternoons, I used to crawl in the bed and I'd, I'd huddle up in the fetal position. And climb up in the bed, and I'm, I'm thinking thoughts like this. Oh, my gosh. Did I study enough? Did I say the right thing? Did I have the right tone? And, again, I, I've grown up. I don't want to quit on Sundays anymore. It's now Mondays. <laughs> so we've made it 24 hours now. But I want, to, I want to quit every Monday. Because I ask those questions. I go, did I study enough? And you know what my answer is every single Monday? Nope. I didn't. And so as a church planter, I go, well, it's because we're setting up chairs or because we're doing daddy-daughter or because we're doing this or because of whatever. And, and I begin to justify all the things that are going on as a church planter. And I go, well, I, just didn't, I just didn't have time to carve out the study enough. And, and I go, golly, Lord, I, am I even fit? Um, I feel the weight of that. I feel the weight of the, did I say the right thing? Um, not because I didn't study enough, but because as you all know, and if you're a guest, you may not know this. Stick around. You'll learn real quick. I didn't say the right thing because my filter is broken. Like, my brain filter is broken. And things will come out of my mouth, and then, y'all have seen me do it. I'll say it and go, hey, Randall, edit that. <laughs> Strike that. Let's rewind that. What? Because my, my, and I go, I don't have a filter. I, didn't, I know I didn't say the right thing. Um, or I'll go, did I have the right tone? I go, no, they have the right tone either. And again, to name some of those folks, Adrian Rogers, all right? For the folks that knew Adrian Rogers, I mean, this big booming. And God said, Adrian Rogers could talk about this snot rag. See, there's the filter broken, right? Should have picked up something else. Um, Adrian Rogers could talk about this snot rag. Marianne, I'm sorry. I hope this isn't a snot rag. <laughs> okay, Marianne's snot rag. Now we're chasing rabbits. Okay. Um, this kind of looks like a rabbit, but um, Adrian Rogers could talk about this connection card. <laughs> okay. And with his big booming voice and his tone, I'm just like, Adrian, tell me more about that connection card. That's the greatest thing ever. Right? Or Matt Chandler, to use a modern day example. I mean, he's got this baritone thing, and I'm just, I'm just like sucked in. I mean, he could talk about anything, and I'm in. And then I listen to me on the recording, and I'm like, who is that hillbilly, yeehaw, you know, who talks real fast and stutters and blah, blah, blah. And I go, my tone is not right. And so I feel it. And so I'm be careful. I don't want to make this message about me because it's not about me. I don't feel the, I don't feel the passage condemns. But man, it convicts. And as a teacher of God's word, as we examine this, I feel the conviction. I feel, I need to grow. Troy, you've been doing this 23 years. If you ain't grown yet, brother, you need to do something else. Well, maybe you're right. That's true. But I feel the need to grow. And it calls us to that. And so if you're a teacher in this room, I just want to lay my life bare to say, let's grow. If you find yourself growing stale in community group going, <laughs> I don't know what to say or what's coming up next or uh, maybe I didn't st- let's grow. 
Let's draw a line in the sand, hear the text, and let's grow. Let's be careful about our words. With that said, again, I don't want to belabor it too much, but um, I also want to say this. Guys, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that I don't feel the weight week after week to have to knock it out of the park. Thank you. Um, I'm thankful for your gracious tone, your gracious attitude, your, you know, hey, Troy, yeah, you, maybe we could have done this, maybe whatever, and let's, let's grow. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful, church, for our elder team. I am thankful for men who will pull me aside and not slam me and go, hey, man, let's maybe think about the tone in which this was said just last week. Hey, Easter Sunday morning of all Sundays, right? After the first service, Britt Bricken comes up to me and goes, hey, man, great, but when we hit this point here, because there's a lot of lost people, man, we really should just kind of hang on to the gospel a little bit. I think this was a great moment to hang on to the gospel. And in that moment, he wasn't being a critic. What was he doing? He was coaching. He was, he was growing. He was going, hey, man, let's think through this. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the gospel that covers my tongue and our tongue is teachers, even when we jack it up. And we can hop back on the horse. <laughs> um, and I'm thankful for growth. I'm thankful in these areas. Um, so, all that to say, we have the right to push each other. But let's do so gently. <laughs> let's do so gently. So, that's number one. Um, James gets right to the point. He says, hey, with our tongues, teachers, beware. And now, for all of you in the room who goes, boy, I sure am glad James talks about them teachers... It's coming to you now, okay? So here we go. Number two, he says, the tongue reveals the heart and affects the hands of all of us. So let's be careful about that. Let's look at that. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So in other words, our tongue reveals our heart and directly affects our hands. So hopefully you're beginning to think about how you use your tongue and what that reveals about your heart and how that affects your hands. How do you use your tongue in your marriage? How do you use your tongue in your workplace? How do you use your tongues, parents, I'm going to go there, with your kids? How do you use your tongue at school? How do you use your tongue in hobbies? How do you use your tongue? How, do you, how is the tongue used? What does it reveal about your heart? And how is that affecting your hands and how you move? Your words will affect your hands. And they will affect your feet. So let's be serious about them is what James is saying. Now, how many of you, your tongue is on the list of your greatest fears? Probably not many. Okay, I got one, okay. Uh, spiders? I'm freaked out by spiders, right? Mm-hmm. Roaches? Amen. Everybody should be creeped up. Roaches. Snakes? We all said amen. Heights? Yes. Failure? Sure. But the tongue, how many times do we go, I'm terrified of my tongue? And that's what James is saying. James is saying, be mindful of your tongue. It's just as important. It's, it drives you. And so let me just throw some simple words out there, and we'll let the Spirit do the work. How many of our tongues could be defined as cynical. How many of our tongues could be defined as gruff? just gruff? How many of our tongues could be defined as just loose? How many of our tongues could be defined as apathetic? I just don't care. How many of our tongues could be defined as loving? Tongues defined as gracious? Tongues defined as 
many of our tongues could be defined as gentle? How many of our tongues could be marked as a tongue that constantly is tearing down everybody and everything around? How many of our tongues could be defined as that one-upper? You know what I'm talking about? That's a great story. Let me tell you mine. How many of our tongues could be defined as self-righteous? They stink at that. Why do we say that? Because we go, I'm good at that. Right? How many tongues could be defined as, let's be careful about this, because some of you right now are going, no, 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 I just don't say anything. How many of your tongues are defined as cold, dead silence? That's saying something. I'm mad at you, so I recluse and shut up. That's how I punish you is I don't talk, right? How many of our tongues are defined as grace-filled? Constantly speaking grace. How many of our tongues are defined as wise, wisdom? How many of our tongues are defined as an encourager? How many of our tongues are defined as evangelistic? Constantly speaking, right? And so you're like, Troy, that tongue thing, man, that's going to be easy. That's a load, isn't it, to think through. Our tongues drive us, they affect us, they change things. And so don't don't buy the stupid delusion that words are meaningless and mean nothing. Right? Words are just words. They're not. Words are powerful. Right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words what? Will never hurt me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. They hurt. They sting. They change things. And so James says, be careful. Your words matter. They matter. Guard them. Your words will move your Nikes, your Uggs, your Converse, your whatever your shoes are right now. Right? They'll move you. So be careful about that. Now, I do want to say a few things real fast um, because there are some in the room who are like, okay, man, I get that. But, Troy, let's go back to that teacher thing. I do aspire to be a teacher. So what should I do? Should I just do nothing? Here's what I would say to you. If you desire to be a teacher, whatever that looks like for you, only be a teacher if you can't not be a teacher. I think that's what James is saying. Guard yourself. And here's why I say that. I I was called to ministry on November 19th, 1995. I feel like it was yesterday. Westwood Baptist Church, Forestdale, Alabama. Back row, way. I wasn't back row Baptist. I was back balcony Baptist. (laughs) I mean, I'm up in the rafters, right? And I went to my dad, and I was like, Dad, I feel like this is what God's called me to. And I want to be careful with that word called because we can use that flippantly. Just a heads up, if you come to me and say, God told me to tell you, you're getting the... Right off the bat, you're getting the stiff arm, all right? Now, I'm going to listen, but you're going to get the stiff arm right off the bat. We're going to massage through that, all right? If God didn't tell me and he told you, then something's going on with the spirit, all right? So we're going to figure, anyway, okay, so um, I went to my dad, and I said, Dad, what should I do? What should I do? And here's what he said to me. Well, Troy, if you can do anything else, go do it. (laughs) I was like, Dad, this is not a good start, all right? I know I like the really practical stuff. What, what do I do? And here's some advice that he gave me. He said, Troy, I want you to do two things. Sit under men who faithfully minister. And so I did. A lot of you guys know Wally Macaluso. Y'all know Wally? Sat under Wally for years. Just listen, watching him faithfully minister. St. Green, Leonard Smith. Uh, these men just took me in. And then he said this. Sit under men who faithfully minister and flood yourself with the Bible and learn a lot of the Bible and stop worrying about style. And that was good. 
And so in that time, I, I did, and I went to school, and I went to seminary, and I sat under people like John MacArthur and started hearing the Scriptures and started studying the Scriptures, and, and, and I would go, hey, what about this book? Troy, you don't need the book. Read the Bible. And so read the Bible, study the Bible, chew through the Bible, da 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 and, and through that process, I said, okay, Dad, well, what do I do next? And he said, get their affirmation and just wait. Now, this isn't helping me get anywhere. I'm going to be at UPS for the rest of my life, which most of you guys know. I still want to go back to that one day, all right? Uh, slinging boxes is cool. That, you know, there's no issues with boxes. But anyways, so with that said, we're going through this, and his response was, Troy, if God has called you, then he'll place you. Quit trying to figure it out. And some of you in this room, because we have a bunch of you who want to be teachers, and you want to do whatever you can to get the limelight. If you want the limelight, go do something else. Do something else. If you want applause, do something else. Be careful. If God called you, he'll place you. Three th four things I'd say to you real fast, just in this again, um, is after years of experience, served in eight churches full-time, yada da yada da, all to figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing, Here's what I would say. Number one, God's word is the only right content that you need to proclaim. If your goal is to get people to applaud at how cool you are, don't do it. Proclaim the word. Number two, God's timing is the only right schedule. When God calls you, he'll place you in his timing. Number three, God's size is the only right goal to achieve. There is this weird, twisted notion in our culture today that I want to be a cool teacher, a proclaimer of God's word, and I'll start teaching in my basement, and all of a sudden people will flock to me and we'll fill up things. That's dumb. I would almost argue borderline demonic. If that's your goal, just don't do it. And then God's extent is the only right extent. God will have you as a teacher for whatever length he wants to have you as a teacher. Some guys, it's six years. Sometimes it's a lifetime. Sometimes it's 30 minutes, whatever. God will use you in his timing. So, all right, with that said, let me catch us back up. That was for the teachers. And again, I want to speak across the spectrum because this is where the text has us. But now for the rest of us, let's catch us back up. We all stumble in many ways. We all kick the couch. We all step on the Lego. We all trip in the parking lot. As a matter of fact, at the new O'Reilly's, there's a hump in the pavement, and you won't see it, and you'll trip over it. Ask Julie Beth, okay? Um, Let's be careful with our tongue, is, is what he's saying. There's power in the tongue. He uses three illustrations. I would argue four. Let's do it real fast. Number one, realize that you can alter the temperament of yourself and others with your tongue. That's when he uses the horse's bit. This horse, this powerful, raging thing, this wild beast, this thing that... Da, 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 his whole temperament can be changed to a docile, humble servant by putting a little bit in his mouth. So James says, be careful, in your tongue, you can truly alter the temperament and the emotion of the room. Be careful about that. Feel it. When you walk into a room, when you walk into your house today, feel the emotion of what's going on and be careful that you're just not fueling it. Be careful. I think that's what he's saying here. Our attitudes are in direct correlation to our speech. And so... Speak words to create an environment to proclaim the gospel. How are we doing, spouses? Number two. I think he says realize you can alter the temperament, but realize you can literally change the direction of yourself and others with your tongue. You can speak 
life and you can speak death. Be careful. And so he does this by using this illustration of this ship that has this small rudder. And this small rudder can move this enormous carnival cruise liner. It's headed to Mexico. Right? We all want to go to Cozumel now. Um, especially with this 30-degree weather, right? And so this little bitty rudder or little jet stream can change that whole boat. He says, your tongue's the same way. You can alter the course of someone's life. On the baseball field, how we doing? These little boys that are five years old, you'll, you can't do it. You, 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 you're not made for this, whatever. We can speak changes in them. Little girls, the same way. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't say this. You, you shouldn't act like this. This artsy girl, man, she's just artsy as all get out. And you don't want her to be artsy because you want her to be one of the cool kids. One of the cool kids. One of the cool kids. Quit wearing this because Sally wears this. And if you want to be in this, then you need to look like Sally. Stop. Stop. Your words can change direction and alter lives. Be careful. What about if we walked around and looked at people and said, God created them this way. I should fuel them this way. I should encourage them this way. And let God do what he's already doing in them. Be careful with our tongues. Realize you can change the direction. You can steer a life, Captain. That's what I think James is saying. And then number three, he, he uses so this, this, this um, horse, and then he uses this ship rudder, and then now he uses this spark. Realize you can cause devastation in yourself and others with the use of your tongue. Realize that. Man, we say flippant things all the time, and they carry enormous weight. Lee Herleman, Bessemer, Alabama. Hueytown and Bessemer collided for a bottle rocket war. Circa 1980-something. I'm sure we had sticks, domo arigato, playing in the background, right? Right? Anybody remember? No. Okay. Right. Uh, so, so I'm sure this is going on. And me and her, we're, we're shooting bottle rockets at each other. It's fun. It's probably a bad idea, but we're doing it anyway. Uh, you can shoot your eye out, but we didn't. Okay? Uh, so we're shooting them at each other, and, and we're having fun, and all of a sudden we hear sirens. And I turn around and look, and back in the back, um, there's a field back there, and this field is on fire. And I'm like, <laughs> what on earth? Somebody set the field on fire. We set the field on fire. <laughs> and we had set a field on fire with a bottle rocket. And they came out there, and they're spraying it down, and they're knocking on doors. Who did it? Well, what do we do? We go take a nap, right? What little boy wants to take a nap in the middle of the day? We're like, oh, we didn't do it. That little spark set that whole sucker on fire in uh, Bessemer, Alabama. And that's what James is saying is be careful. Your little spark, you thought it was just a simple little thing, can carry enormous damage. Guard your tongue. How are we doing, church? So I think if we be mindful of three things, it'll help us and we'll wrap it up in our tongues. Number one, I think we should be mindful of tone. Just be mindful of tone. There is a difference between get in here and help me clean the kitchen. Hypothetical. <laughs> and, hey, kids, can y'all come help me clean the kitchen? 
Totally different, right? Tone. If I go to my kids and say, hey, hey, can you help me do this? They probably will go, yes, Father, I'd be glad to help you do that. <laughs> I feel like that's what would happen. If, you know, it, and there's a difference in going, who's on the chart for garbage? Who's on the chart for this? Who's on the chart? And then that tone, tone matters. Guys, I struggle with this, but I think it'll help us. In guarding our tongue, let's watch our tone. Can we watch our tone this week? Mark it on your list of things to do. Let me watch my tone this week. Number two. Watch your tempo. Tone and tempo change things. You come in here to help us up, set up on Saturdays, and you follow me, and it, it is a whirlwind. I've done had my coffee, which I don't need coffee anyway, but I've done had it. Done had it? Done been had it. Whatever. Um, I'm slapping chairs together. I'm like, hey, let, come on, let's do this. Let's, here's how you set them up. And you'll get exhausted, and you're like, I, I don't even know what you're saying, dude. I don't want to be around you. You know, Whatever. You come and set up with Mr. Sam Calloway is a whole nother ballgame. Because this dude's got it. He, and I know if I had him right now, he's probably mad at me, and he'll be mad at me after the service. So I said, you can be mad at me, Sam. All right. We'll, have, we'll share some olive oil together right there. Uh, you go sit with Sam, and he'll be like, hey, let me take you in. Put the chair here. Space it this way. Add another four inches. This will get you online. And, and then he'll walk with you, right? That changes things. It matters. So let's be careful in our conversations with our spouses. Because when we start going, I want to do this, I want to do that, what we're doing is we're creating energy. And that energy just fuels things. When we just slow down, sometimes wisdom is just slow your roll. Slow down. So our tone, our tempo, and then our timing. I think our timing sometimes is off. <laughs> It's okay to wait to have the conversation after the issue has been diffused. It's okay. It's okay. But what do we want to do? We want to prove our point as soon as we see a moment to prove our point. Right? Kobe, of all people, you should be amening this. Right? <laughs> I mean, right? Y'all know the story. He's learning to drive now. God help us. Um. And as soon as he pumps the brake or does that, instead of, of, a, a good, instead of a good gospel father being like, hey, the gospel covers that, son, I'm, I'm afraid for my life, man, right? So I'm like, stop pumping the brakes. Why? I don't know. Just stop. Hit the gas. Okay, no, Dave, you just said pump the brakes. Stop. What am I supposed to do? And then he throws it in reverse. And I'm like, now we're going to reverse. Oh, dear God, have mercy. Instead of doing that, if, if, if we just... Pause in our timing. Hey, we made it home safely. Hey, man, as we're turning through a turn-only lane and cars are behind us, it may or may not behoove us to turn the blinker on. Just saying. Yeah. And walk through that. Does that make sense? Tone, tempo, timing. Let's, let's watch that this week. And the tongue reveals the heart. It affects the hands. It does all these things. Let's wrap it up, church. Okay. Got to wrap it up. Power of the tongue. And then thank, thankfully he wraps it up. He uses those illustrations. And then he says, hey, the tongue should be an object of worship. The implication of what he's saying is, he says it shouldn't be this way. We shouldn't bless somebody and then curse somebody. The implication is we can bless and worship with our tongue. That's what he's saying. So, thankfully, we can indeed worship the Lord ourselves and worship for the lives of others. Where our tongue usually gets us in trouble is when it involves other people. It rarely gets us in trouble when we're talking about ourselves. And so be careful about that. 
And he uses this thing, the image of God. God's, people are made in the image of God. In other words, there's no person that God shocked they are the way they are. There's no cosmic mistake. There's no orga- organic surprise. There's no God going, God, I didn't know that they would act this way or be this way. Or like God's not shocked. Let's be careful about that. And I think what we do when we get in trouble with our tongue, with other people, is we look at other people and we go, this is how they are different from me, and so I'm going to demonize them for how they're different from me, or I'm going to idolize them for how they're different from me. And we demonize and we idolize because how they're different. They shouldn't be like that because I'm not like that. And as we all know, I'm pretty good. Right? Now, you never say that out loud, but that's what we do. And so we begin to demonize or we begin to idolize. We go, I'm going to, I want to be like that person. I, I, I want to do that, so I'm going to emulate them. And then you're no longer what God wanted you to be. And so we demonize and we idolize because we go, they're different, they're different, they're different. And what James is saying is stop with the different. And realize that people are distinct, created in the image of God. And don't see how they're different from you. Watch this. See how they're distinct and how God's using them in a way that he's not using you. And be okay with it. Newsflash. You ready? God uses all kind of different streams to accomplish his glory. Whoa. But I like my stream. I'm glad you do. But he uses all kinds of streams. And that's okay. It's okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is Troy going into relativism? No, 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 no. You're, you're way off track. It's the gospel. You get what I'm saying. When we see people as distinct, we begin to see the beauty of God as the orchestral master who created all kinds of instruments to play in his grand symphony. And rather than looking at the piccolo going, what a dumb instrument. And looking at the saxophone going, now that's cool. I mean, look at the cool hats you get to wear when you're playing that thing, right? What if we looked and said, oh, God may have made them a piccolo, may have made them a, and God made some of you tubas. The tuba plays a role. If we think that way, we'll guard our tongue a little better, I think. Okay. So let's let our mouths be filled with blessing, mouths of fresh water as this passage wraps up. Not filled with lies, filled with truth. Filled with grace. My mother-in-law is one of the most gracious. She drives me crazy with her graciousness. I'll be lighting into something about one of the kids, and this is her response. Well, then, well, well. <laughs> Just let it pass on. And I'm like, no, 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 but they're little demon children. Well, <laughs> well, God made them this way. Hey, oh, shut up. <laughs> You're probably right, mother-in-law. But you're still the mother-in-law, right? Uh, So, mouths of encouragement. Pick out something that people around you do good and tell them today. Mouths filled with worship. Point people to Christ, to the Creator. Be filled with the Spirit. Okay, let's wrap it up. I told you it was a lot at the beginning.
So, um, uh, again, uh, what did James just do to us? This is probably the grossest thing I've ever brought to Safe Haven. Band, come on up or I'll keep going. We've got to wrap it up. <clears throat> um, I brought something. It's gross. Some of y'all may have it. What did James just now do to us? He, he, he brought one of these in. Y'all know what this is? It's a tongue scraper, right? And now some of you are like, no, mentally, do not shake Troy's hand. <laughs> right? uh, it's a tongue scraper. They're pretty cool instruments. Um, a tongue scraper, at the, end, at the end of the day, I guess you could do it multiple times a day. You probably Anyway, um, at the end of the day, you grab this thing and you can rake off. And it is, it's incredible. I mean, it is incredible what comes out of your mouth at the end of the day with one of these especially after you've eaten spaghetti, right? I mean, you'll pull out like whole meatballs and stuff. <laughs> so, I told you it's gross. But anyways, here's, here's the tongue scraper. It removes bacteria and it removes leftover stuff. And it, you know, it just kind of, it reminds you, hey, you know, whatever. And that's what James has just done to us. James has just scraped us. And he said, hey, let's think about things that are damaging. Let's think about ways in which we could be healthier in relation to our tongue. Let's, let's, let's grow. And so today, if you find yourself like me going, man, I need to grow in this area, do it. Do it. All right. Fair enough? All right. I want to quit tomorrow, so please, anyway. Uh, so, so here's the deal. Um, we're about to come to the table. The greatest thing we do at Safe Haven. Everything else was just fodder. But we come to the table and laying before us, we're about to take the elements. And, and if you're a guest here today, all believers, followers of Christ, committed followers are invited to come to the table. There's two up front, there's two in the back. And we're literally going to place on our tongue a reminder of the body that was broken for us. And we're literally going to drink in a reminder of the blood that was spilled for us. And so as we place that on our tongue... Be reminded of two things. Number one, the gospel covers you, believer, for where you fail at your tongue. You're covered. You're clean. You're righteous. But it also compels you to go grow because of what Christ has done. So as we come to the table, breathe the gospel in. Be reminded that Christ's work is sufficient for your dirty mouth. And now I want to sing John Mayer. And then also be compelled to go and change some stuff. Fair enough? Love you guys. Let's pray. Stand up with me. God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for this text, for teachers and non-teachers and how we use our mouth as a whole and what the tongue says about our desires and how we view other people and how we view you and just what a what a great responsibility the tongue is and so God draw us in line externally 
in our speech with what you have done, present tense, internally with our souls. Make us more fit to even bear the image of that Christ-likeness that you say in Ephesians 4. Mold us to your image in our mouth, Lord. This week, today, forever. So as we come to the table, Lord, we do this in remembrance of you. And we're reminded of your great love for us (laughs) and our dirty mouths. So as we take it in, Lord, wash us, bathe us, remind us that the table is where we need to be. And then send us forth missionally to be changed and to be a replica of Christ to the next person we see and the next person we talk to. Jesus, it's your name I pray. Amen.